you're listening to Big Blend Radio's Lost Angel Travel Adventures show with Linda Ballou, travel writer and author, and your host, Lisa Smith. Well, welcome, everybody. Super excited. Today is the second episode of our new Big Blend Radio Lost Angel Travel Adventures podcast with travel writer and author Linda Ballou. And today she is taking us to Hawaii and she's going to tell us about Bobo in Taylor Camp. Now, Taylor Camp is fascinating. Uh, this story that she's going to tell us about is a story in her book, Lost Angel Unleashed. And she's got a whole Lost Angel series. So you can go to lostangeladventures.com for that. But welcome back, Linda. How are you? Aloha. I'm Aloha, fine. yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, happy to be here. Well, you know, I'm excited about this. I wore my tie-dye. And I remember <laughs> reading this when your book came out, Lost Angel Unleashed, and went, Linda, you went to a hippie camp. There was pot swirling around. And uh, you had quite an interesting experience, but not only does this um, story, it's a true story because you were working in a newspaper, right? When you first met Bobo. Right. So what happened was uh, when I was 28, I dropped out of society and I landed on the North shore of Kauai, which at that time was um, a hotbed for alternative lifestyles. I mean, I didn't really realize that, um, but I, got there and I learned that it was just absolutely incredible. All the different, uh, you know, there was uh, transcendental meditation and Tai Chi and of course yoga and uh, everyone was into natural foods and things like that meditation. So it was a very interesting time on the Island. And so I was testing my wings as a writer. So I went to the garden aisle and I talked them into letting me be a little reporter for them. And this gave me access to people on the island who I thought were interesting. Well, one of the most interesting people on the island was a woman named Bobo. And she uh, would swim the Nepali, the Nepali coast, which is some of the wildest waters in all of the islands. Uh, Kamehameha the Great tried to conquer Kauai and bring it into his rule but he couldn't do it because he couldn't get through the channel and the nepali coast and those wild wow. waters so seriously you know that she was swimming this coast i was like really and um so i interviewed her i decided to interview her her real name is suzanne ballins by the way but everyone called her bobo and she was just kind of a legend on the island and so uh, I went to where Bobo lived, which was in a treehouse colony. And that colony was Taylor Camp, a very infamous uh, hippie hideaway. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor's brother, Howard, owned land, acres of land right on the beach. Mm. And he was sympathetic to Vietnam War vets and people who were marginalized. And so, and Bobo was one of those people. She um, was busted for marijuana. And at that time, it was illegal in California. And so they were going to take away her daughters. She had two little girls. And so when she heard about this opportunity to not lose her children and raise them in a natural way, uh, she, and also her marriage was broken and she didn't have any money. <laughs> 
So Taylor Camp worked for Bobo. So uh, I went to the treehouse colony. So it's kind of a commune, right? Like a commune. Well, not exactly, though, because they lived individually, although Mm -hmm. they did a lot of things together. um, They took care of themselves individually. She had her own her own treehouse. And there were other uh, families there, couples with children, single people. Um, and, but, you know, they had um, community events and things. But it wasn't like a commune where everybody is, you know, putting all their money and their food and everything together. It was a little different situation. So um, I went to, to Bobo's treehouse. <laughs> I go up the ladder and I sit up there with her. <laughs> And, uh, you know, she was very accommodating, very nice, offered me a glass of Merlot. Uh, she was a heavy drinker, known to be getting wildly drunk and sometimes even being locked in the cop's trunk. <laughs> they didn't put her in jail, but sometimes they would put her in the trunk if she was just getting too rowdy. I mean, the island was very, very laid back you know so <laughs> she <laughs> offered me a glass of merlot which i was happy to enjoy was it in a wine glass in a treehouse or was yes. it like oh yes yes oh wow know, civilized she lived there i mean and her i asked her you know how are your daughters doing they love it the one daughter was a water baby like her mother and you know just was in the ocean all the time the other daughter was oh she wanted normalcy. She wasn't as thrilled living in the tree camp as, as the one daughter. But at any rate, she was able to keep her children with her. And that was important to her. So um, I'm there with her and um, she offers me a joint. Now, at this time, you know, it was pretty relaxed and there was a lot of red hair marijuana in the islands. <laughs> So I I enjoyed a couple of puffs, which was plenty because the stuff was super strong. Um, and then she said, um, you know, I was asking her a few questions about what she was doing and so on. And then she said, well, you know, the the uh, the sauna is ready down below and we're going to do a little Earth Mother healing thing. <laughs> Meditation. <laughs> and I went. Oh, okay. And so she invited me to join her and the others there. And that was a communal event. And it was a, you know, a cloth sauna situation. And these lava rocks were, you know, red, red rock, just broiling hot. Red hot, red hot, broiling hot. And then they were water on them to create steam, you know. So I went in there with them and held hands. I kept, I went in with my undies, but they were all in their birthday suits. Yeah. They tended to be naked a lot there. But I asked Bobo about that. And she said, well, at night we put on our clothes for the mosquitoes. You know, we're not yeah. silly. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, great. Uh, so, uh, so then I did this, you know, oh, with them, you know, and it was incredible. It was incredible high experience. <laughs> One that I'll never forget, one that was really, really memorable and uh, actually quite moving. So, so yeah, Bobo and 
the Taylor camp that was really inf- became very infamous after that. When I was there, uh, the local people were really getting fed up with it being there uh, because these people were not contributing. There were like 120 people who were living in the camp. Uh, were not contributing to the community. They weren't paying taxes. They were living on welfare and food stamps oh, wow. and having a wonderful time. Uh, but the local people uh, really wanted to put an end to Taylor Camp. I was there just at the very tail end of it. So, but I, I uh, sent you a documentary uh, for people who are interested in it if they want. It's really a nice documentary I'll put a link. about yeah. that time. And it's very, it's fascinating to see how they all lived. And I'll put, and, and just for everyone to know, we'll put that in the show notes, everything, you know, links to Linda's websites and book, both of her book websites and also over to the documentary. We'll put yeah, I think the documentary is really, really fun. So, uh, yeah, her granddaughter is in the documentary reenacting her swims on the Nepali coast. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah. So it's really fun. So I think I'd, I'd like to read just this little yeah. snippet of my interview with her. Okay, so I asked her, what makes you want to do these dangerous long swims alone? She said, it's where I escape from everything I can't change. My swims are what saves me from myself. Sometimes I feel like there's a cold wind blowing through my heart. I try to drink and drug it away, but that never really works. If it weren't for my swims, I would likely be dead from alcoholism. Wow. Wow. I said, what is it like to swim in the most treacherous waters in Hawaii for so many hours? It was like six miles to Kalalau. It is like a meditation. I swim in the nude. I swim face down wearing snorkel, mask, and fins. I grease up my body with wheat germ oil to protect me from the sun, and it helps keep me warm. My arms, legs, and breath find their rhythm, and my body goes into an automatic pilot. It's like an out-of-body experience where I'm no longer in charge of what's happening. The currents and wind are mostly in my favor swimming down the Nepali coast. It is kind of like being a bird gliding on thermals. When I go all the way to Palahale, another five miles from Kalalau, I take a sarong with me. I have to hitch a ride around the island to get back to Taylor Camp, where I can ditch my clothes again. <laughs> that's a, I mean, that's amazing, you know? It is, it is amazing, because it was like six miles to Kalalau, where she would stay for a month at a time hmm. uh, and sober up. And okay. I mean, she was really a very powerful woman to be dealing. I mean, you know, a lot of people have serious addictions and it's true. She probably would have died from alcoholism or drug abuse if she hadn't had this way of dealing with it. Okay. And, um, you know, in her later life, she did sober up. I, she's still alive, I believe. And oh, wow. uh, I believe she's alive and sober. <laughs> Well, it's kind of like Isabella Bird, um, we we talked about last month, ah. um, you know, who was alcoholic, drug-induced, but that was from her medical situation. But right. then getting off of that and, you know, here's but all you're these. You're right. You're right, Lisa. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but maybe that's why I was drawn to these both of these women is the fact that, she, you know, 
Uh, Isabella lifted herself up from the invalid's bed at the age of 40 Mm -hmm. and then began to tour all around the world and write about it. I mean, that's really something. And this woman was dealing with, you know, a lot of hardship, a broken marriage, single mom trying to raise them in a way she didn't want them to go into a foster home. So, yeah, it was an unorthodox way to go. Uh, And she had her demons, you know, but she, like I say, I was just so impressed. Firstly, with the athleticism of being able to swim in these very rough waters. But as she said, she was going with the currents on when swimming down to Kalalau. Kalalau was a sacred Hawaiian village that um, the hippie had taken over really and that was one of the reasons one of the things the locals didn't like is they didn't want the people camping out there Uh, but this was at a time when there were very few people there and she was sometimes there by herself you know Mm -hmm. for a month at a time and what did she eat i don't know i mean (laughs) really maybe a lot of fruit just just took a, a jug you know she had a jug that she had tied to her ankle and inside the jug she had her um her sarong and um, some matches to start a fire, just, you know, stay warm, not much food. So anyway, um, yeah, if she was a long distance swimmer now, this woman, Lynn Cox is another woman that is, I've read uh, who was a long distance swimmer and she describes this meditative state, Mm -hmm. you know, this out of body kind of state where you almost have to go out of your body to be able to endure the elements and particularly Lynn Cox had a weird metabolism that allowed her to swim in freakishly cold waters. And uh, yeah, she's got a book out. I don't recall the name of it, but she actually is going to be speaking here in Malibu pretty soon. Um, It's interesting to me because it's almost like, you know, when you think about alcohol and drugs, um, it's always kind of chasing, getting out of your body in a way and connecting to a bigger planet. It's like why, you know, so many people are into psychedelics and, you know, mushrooms are on the rise now. It's like we're going back in the 60s and 70s with everybody (laughs) talking about mushrooms, magic mushrooms. But we've been doing it for centuries, you know, and hundreds of thousands of years, our human beings are doing that. And I wonder if that's part of it is like, you know, that outer body experience is where, it is why we do meditation and, you know, TM, uh, transcendental meditation that you were talking about is going to these other realms. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I understand it in some ways. I used to swim in Shelly Beach in South Africa. It was a very cold, choppy ocean with a lot of rocks, but one of the highest concentrations of great white sharks. Do not ask me what the heck I was doing. Yeah, really. Nancy- Nancy, my mom would have a flip because I'd go out. You could, it was a place to gather shells because it, the, you could go to the coastline, but you go out and then it would dip down into almost like a tunnel. And at the bottom, you'd get shells and bring them back to the shore. But if you went on beyond that dip and that tunnel, that weird tunnel under there, you're in great shark territory. And I'd go out further and further every day. And then really spook myself out and get the hell out. So I don't know what it was, but you are not in a human zone when you do that. You're not. Well, this is this is one of those live to tell about it stories, Lisa. Thank God, <laughs> thank God. But I want to I want to touch on this because you know when you're talking about her doing these long swims, um, and I know you know dolphins are involved too, but you know sharks uh-huh. in Hawaii, 
this brings me back to your novel Wainani right. and how Wainali did these big swims. I know exactly, exactly. Well, swims. yeah, see, Bobo was a big inspiration to that. See, when I was interviewing her and learning about this, I wasn't writing Wainani, but it was the seed was being planted, you know. And she swam with the dolphins. I asked her, I said, aren't you afraid of the sharks? She says, oh, the big fish come by once in a while, but they don't bother me. The dolphins play with me. They want to play with me. They go, they swim with me for miles and interact with me and they want to be friends. And I'm going, hmm. And this kind of, uh, and then I researched uh, when I started writing Wainani, actually getting into it, part of my research for that story uh, Wainani's best friend is a dolphin named Iku, just so anyone knows. And uh, I researched the dolphin behavior. And in fact, human beings have had tremendously um, close and personal relationships with dolphins. And in the first uh, chapter of Wainani, I have uh, Wainani is in a, a surfing contest and she stands on the back of her, of Iku and his, his mate, Laka. And she wins the surfing contest. <laughs> well, I saw it in Florida, a woman standing on the back of two dolphins, you know. Wow. And I, You know, I didn't make any of it up. And in part of the book, um, she helps the uh, sacred bride deliver her baby. She takes her to a pool and calls in her dolphin friends. And her dolphin friends hit hit the sacred bride with sonic uh, beams, you know, I mean, and this is something that relaxes the, 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 the mother and allows her pregnancy to be easier. These water births with the aid of dolphins. Wow. And I read about that <laughs> and I went really, and they do that today. I mean, that's happening. And they protect you from sharks when you're swimming too. That's true enough. Mm -hmm. True enough. Mm -hmm. So, so, yes, there was uh, a lot of dolphin relationship in Wainani, and it all started, the idea of it all started with Bobo mm. and her long-distance swims and her, her friendships with the marine mammals. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. So, uh, you know, everyone's got to go get the book. Now, this is a trilogy, Lost Angel got lost angel we first met you when you did your california coastline with lost angel adventures and then you've got uh lost angel walkabout which you've got there behind you and lost angel unleash is the latest one so i'm just going to say for the holidays you should just get all three of them you know right and if you go to my website um you can get them all three of them for 30 dollars gift wrapped and sent anywhere in the u.s wow including, you know how to including, gift wrap right including there. hawaii including hawaii I love that. And so well, I have a, I have a lot of Hawaii everywhere. stories because I, I I do love Hawaii and I I've researched the history of Hawaii and uh it's always been a uh, oh restorative place for me so. So yeah. yeah, I go there when I need sustenance and solace. Oh, that's the thing. Nature can be your salvation. That's the thing about Bobo. Nature's big enough. It can, mm -hmm. it can absorb <laughs> your, your, your depression, your anxiety, your fears, mm -hmm. all of it. Nature's big enough. And, you know, that's the thing. That's, it's really true when you get out there. It's humbling as well. It makes you realize how connected you are to everything and not so alone. 
as well. Exactly, exactly. And all of my characters and everything I've written, I didn't realize it until I had already written them. They all find salvation in nature. Nature rocks, man. It's Mother <laughs> Nature. That's why we call her Mama. Yes, you know indeed. for sure. So everyone, again, the the website is lostangeladventures.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We can't wait for next time. Yay. All right, Lisa. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio's Lost Angel Travel Adventure Show with Linda Ballou, travel writer and author. Keep up with her at lindabalouauthor.com and lostangeladventures.com. You can also keep up with Big Blend Radio at bigblendradio.com. Now, happy traveling!